You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. And if you'll begin your Bibles open, we're back in the, the book of 1 Corinthians 1 Corinthians chapter 5 to finish out this chapter this evening. <clears throat> so again, how many of you have children tonight? I'm going to see your hands. You all have children, all right? Yeah, great. Maybe you can relate to this a little bit. We raised three daughters, and at some point, our daughters had reached an age. Tish was the oldest, so... Uh, They'd reached an age where we could, uh, Yvette and I could run to the store, come back, and, and uh, they were fine alone. And, and um, so we had done that one time. We'd gone and done the shopping or something and told the girls, stay in the house, everything will be fine, you guys be good, and obey Tish. They loved obeying Tish. Younger sisters always love obeying their older anything. Not, but... Um, so we went, and we were gone quite a little while, and we came back home, and we could walk in the door, and they weren't upstairs, so we heard them downstairs, and we went down the steps, and as we went down the steps, I could see one girl after the other carrying something from the bedroom. We had um, uh, kind of arranged our, or built our basement into uh, three different bedrooms down there, and had put our girls, the three of them, were sleeping together in one bedroom. It was the biggest room. It was the, the way it would, it would arrange the best. But when we got there and I was walking down the steps, each one of the girls had gone past me uh, out of the bedroom we had them in with an armload of something going into another room in the house, uh, in, in the basement. So I, I got down there, and the bedroom they were staying in was half empty, they had the bed tore apart, the beds torn apart, the mattresses were in another bedroom where it was used for a whole other purpose. I said, girls, what are you doing? Oh, we're just changing bedrooms. Um, and here they are, fives, eight, and whatever Tisha was. I said, you're not changing bedrooms. Put everything back. Well, who th- gave you the idea it was okay to change the bedrooms. And all three of them looked at each other like, it's kind of like all of our ideas. And I get everything back in there. So it was like one of those times that we learned our lesson. Maybe another year or two might be good uh, to, uh, before we begin to trust our girls. It's other stories I could probably tell I don't want to get into tonight. But that so reminded me of how Paul had developed this church and had worked with these people in a long time. And it brought them to the Lord. A church has been developed here. And uh, it's kind of like he's heard how things are going now, that he's, you know, stepped aside and he's away for a time frame now. Boy, it's really warming up in here. Uh, Stephanie, are you warm now? You are. It is very warm in here. But um, he finds out that they're not doing so well with him not there. Uh, the parent, the, the, the man that's brought most of them to Christ... And there's a lot of things that really need correcting. And they, there's no problem, they thought, with rearranging life and living life on their own, much like some of our kids have done in the past, thinking it's perfectly fine and who's going to care? I mean, they, they really thought it was going to be fine in front of me and probably anybody else. But come to find out, 
it was not. Problem with this church, there were, there were actions going on in this church that they thought was going to be perfectly fine. And especially the one involved in the action that you read with me about last week, if you were in here with me last week, you read about it before. And this is no changing the bedroom furniture from one bedroom to the next. Uh, as you can see, and we'll get right into it in the first verse, a man in the church is now somehow having um, a sexual encounter of some sort with his, what we believe to be his stepmother. And it was commonly reported, everybody knew about it, nobody had a problem with this apparently, and Paul is nailing that for the sin that it is, and so um, that's what Paul is trying to do is to make sure this church is a pure church, it represents the body of Christ, and if it's going to represent the body of Christ and be any kind of a testimony in their community, they have to be different than the world around them, and they have to let the purity of Christ live through them. So start with me in verse 1 again, and we'll work our way down through the rest of these verses. And it's, it's a short chapter. We'll read each of the verses again. So here he goes. It's reported commonly that there is fornication among you, and such fornication is, as is not so much as named among the Gentiles that one should have his father's wife. We do believe it was a stepmother. Um, and the Romans, I mean, it was a law for them uh, for incest of that type to take place. And so uh, they wouldn't even allow something like that, much less the church naming themselves as Christians to be doing that. In verse 2, notice a big problem here. And ye are puffed up and have not rather mourned that he that hath done this deed might be taken away from among you. For I verily, or truly, as you know that means, as absent in the body... But present in spirit have judged already as though I were present concerning him that hath so done this deed. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when ye are gathered together, and my spirit with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, to deliver such an one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. That's a big verse. If you misconstrue that, if you just pour a bunch of your heart and emotion in that and fail to see the detail in the heart of God, then one could walk away saying that's a, that's a cruel injunction by God. Why would God, you know, basically church discipline is to discipline them out of the church if they're not willing to have a repentant heart. So again, verse 5, to deliver such an one unto Satan, which means to remove them out of the fellowship of the church for the destruction of the flesh. Well, why would you do that? that the Spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus, bring that person back into a right relationship with, with God. Verse 6, now notice what he says, and this is pretty much where we'll be picking up uh, tonight. Your glorying is not good. Now, I'm not saying that they're glorying about this uh, fornication that's going on, but they are, remember, they're all excited about the different factions in the church, and I'm a part of this group, and you're a part of that group, and you're glorying about all the gifts that you have. Uh, it's possible. It could be a little bit about this thing going on, but more, more than likely, they're, they're uh, praising their gifts and things that they have. You're glorying, verse 6, is not good. Know you not that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump? Purge out, therefore, the old leaven, that ye may be a new lump, 
as ye are unleavened, for even, notice the wording, Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. Therefore let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. I wrote unto you in an epistle not to company with fornicators. Now, he has to qualify that statement. Yet not altogether with the fornicators of this world or with the covetous or extortioners or with um, idolaters, for then must ye needs go out of the world. But now I have written unto you not to keep company if a man that is called a brother. So he's talking about this coming within inside the church. If, if that man be a fornicator or covetous or uh, an idolater or a railer or a drunkard or an extortioner. Now, concerning that guy, he says, with such an one, know not to eat. We'll explain that. For what have I to do to judge them also that are without? Do not ye judge them that are within. Don't you handle your matters inside the church, he says. But them that are without... God judgeth, therefore, let's come back inside the church because you can't handle everybody on the outside. So come back inside the church, he says, therefore, put away from among yourselves that wicked person. So let's have prayer and we'll finish this out here tonight. God, thank you again for allowing us to be in the word of God. And I know, Lord, in your eyes, we're just your little children, much like my daughters were to us years ago. And I realize how prone we are to wander, as that old song says. And many times, God, we do foolish things, and sometimes they begin to manifest themselves even at the house of God. And I'm asking you to open our eyes of understanding tonight to see that you want a pure church, a pure bride to be presented to you. So help us in uh, this study tonight, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So this is a continuation of dealing with... Remember, we got into last week... The method of church discipline. What is church discipline? It's what God commands us to do here in this chapter and a couple of other places in the Bible. When somebody, please hear what I'm saying, openly lives in sin and the church knows about it, bring it inside the church, it's well known by everybody, and, uh, and now it's common knowledge, it's reported commonly. And, uh, and when that kind of thing happens, God says, this must be dealt with. And if that person is, is confronted and they're, they're non-repentant, that person is to be removed from the congregation. It's, it becomes like a cancer in the church till that person's heart is broken and repentant and be brought back in into the church. So let me work my way on down from where we were. I kind of made a few little brief comments about those first several verses. But uh, let me mention this tonight as we continue on. Part of church discipline has to do with the attitude of the church who is doing the discipline, let me just say to us, Eastside, God looks at us and wants to know what is our attitude about sin when it comes up in a church. How does a church handle sin when it is brought out openly? And our attitude is dealt with here in verse 6. Your glorying is not good. Know you not that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. You guys are majoring on your gifts 
and your talents and the great things that you feel like are going on in your individual and in some places in the church life and you're glorying about these things when all along there's this huge i won't even call it an elephant in the room usually that wording means it's a big subject that nobody wants to address well in this case they didn't care to address it it didn't bother them nobody seemed to be bothered by it and so he's saying your attitude is very important to me god says Uh, to be able to understand what a church's heartbeat really is like. So a church needs to be keenly aware of what exactly, guys, what really is at stake when sin is apparent in a congregation. So the corruption of the whole church is what's at stake. Um, I've told you several times we have have, uh, holiday traditions. Thanksgiving uh, holiday tradition is I would get up Again, the girls were all at the house, and if they ever come home for Thanksgiving, it's still a tradition. Dad gets up before everybody goes to Hy-Vee. We buy big, fat uh, cinnamon rolls and anything else that's big and fat and fattening. It's just that's the day. And I will buy, we don't buy milk, we buy chocolate milk on that day. And we bring it home, and we have a feast, and everybody uh, falls asleep about noon. (laughs) That's usually the truth. Well, Christmas time, our, our tradition is... Yvette goes buys these frozen um, rolls, cinnamon rolls, and you take them out the night before and set them in these pans, leave a bunch of room in between them because they're going to, the yeast begins to grow those uh, cinnamon rolls. And we've woke up in the morning and the, the yeast has taken those rolls up and over even the sides of the pan. And Yvette said, oh no, and I said, amen. Praise God, that's, that's a great cinnamon roll. Um, just double the icing on the top bake those guys and it's going to be a good uh, Christmas morning that's that's one of our traditions but the yeast inside of that dough begins to work and it causes the growth inside of the dough and that thing begins to swell and before you know it that whole pan is full side to side and like that one day it tipped over on the sides yahoo that's yahoo unless it's sin in the church and what Paul is saying here guys if it's a cancer inside the church, if it's a yeast that begins to grow inside the house of God, your attitude is critical to understand here. Uh, your glorying, verse 6, is not good. That little leaven will leaven the whole lump. Uh, you ever gone to a, a church out of town somewhere and to visit that church and and it was, man, such a great church. And you're like, next time we travel through this area, we're going to stop back at that church. Great spirit in the church, thriving church. You could tell that. And have you ever gone back to that church a year or two later and walked inside the church and you could feel things were just so different? Um, maybe the church was half the size or even less. I've seen this happen. And I kind of hang out, try to get to know the people. I try to greet the pastor and try to encourage him. I've done this before, and others have done this for me. Uh, And I try to do the same with them. And I come to find out something happened in that church. And in one particular church, um, one couple got involved with another couple in the church in ways they should never have gotten involved with. It was uh, either not found out about quick enough that began to spread, and then it even made its way into the staff of the church. And when all this came out, it just blew up. Honestly, it was like that, that yeast that just spread throughout the whole church, and it leavened the whole lump, and they were left with just a handful of folks. My son-in-law, Joe, down in uh, El Paso, Texas, 
uh, he and I were talking one time and, and years ago in their church. Somebody reported to him right away that there were two couples in the church that were going around uh, trying to see if they could do a wife swap inside the church. And that was nailed immediately. You don't play around with things like that. When you hear about that kind of sin, it needs to be dealt with right now. And Paul says your glorying about that is not good. It'll take a congregation and tear them apart. Now, truthfully, guys, same thing's true in your own home, whether it's a, a church or, or a household. And it doesn't matter what the sin is. Listen, hey, Dad, you openly allow open sin of some kind in your household, and you allow that to develop. Mom, or if you're an individual in your house, and you allow some kind of open sin to develop in your life, and if you don't do something about that, you talk about rolls filling over the pan, guys, it's going to spread through your entire heart, your mind will be defiled, and you might be able to come to church and cover it up, but God's looking at everything that's going on, and to God, it's a big deal. And God doesn't want, we are to be the bride presented to Christ, amen, and I look forward to the day when I meet the groom and we all get to be with the Lord in heaven. God wants a pure church. And so he says to this church, it's not good what I've seen going on at uh, the house of God. So there needs to be a house cleaning. Look in verse 7 and 8. Go down there with me if you will. So he said in verse 7, purge out therefore the old leaven, we would call it yeast, that you may be a new lump, that lump of dough, if you want to call it that, as ye are unleavened. For even Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast. Now, they weren't keeping the Passover now at the church, but he's talking about serving God now. Uh, Therefore, let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Um, for time's sake, I won't have you go back to the book of Exodus 12, verses 14 to 19, but if we went back there, you would find how it was critical in the, during, hey, during the Passover um, in the Old Testament. One of the practices before they ate the Passover meal was every one of the Hebrews had to make sure, without doubt, every little crumb of leaven was absolutely removed from their household. They would sweep the floors and make sure everything was sparkly clean so that not even one little particle of leaven was left in that house on purpose or by mistake because leaven leavens the lump. And uh, when you're talking about Christ being our Passover now, he is our Passover lamb. And as I'm now serving Christ, we don't keep the Passover feast like they did, but with Christ being our Passover, giving his life for us, shed his blood for us, he says, as you're serving me, or keeping the feast, he calls it, make sure you purge out that old leaven that uh, can make its way into the house of God. He calls it, look, um, look in verse 8 how he describes it. Let us uh, keep the feast not with old leaven. Why is it called old leaven? Neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Guys, old leaven just deals with the old lifestyle you and I used to have years ago before we got saved. I mean, we got saved from those things. Anybody say amen to that? I don't have to live like that anymore. So what in the world are you doing going back into your old lifestyle, pulling things out of your old life and bringing them into the new You're bringing leaven back into your worship of a holy God who is our Passover defiling. 
your own life, and in some cases, an entire church. And again, the best way for us to keep uh, the church clean is to keep homes clean for God's sake. Um, So, move along here. So then Paul ends this section of his corrective letter by instructing church members. We're going to go from verse 9 to 13 now. He's going to instruct church members how to behave around this sinning brother. I've eaten up a lot of my time on some other things. So let me just walk through these verses, and I'm not going to be able to go through all my my notes here tonight, but I will expound on each one of these verses. Look in verse 9. Notice what he says, I wrote unto you in an epistle not to company with fornicators. All right, somebody living in open fornication. God says, as a fellow church member, do not uh, associate with somebody that is a fornicator. Now, he comes in right away in verse 10 because some people may not grasp it. They may be a young Christian, and they think, oh my goodness, half the people I work with are fornicators. Boy, in the world we live in today, that'd be an easy thing to say. It would. It's promoted on our televisions. It's promoted on uh, the, the movies that are watched and videos and all kinds of things. Uh, it's nothing for couples to be together and, and uh, uh, commit fornication. And so I can see Paul knowing a young Christian saying, oh my goodness, how am I going to do this? They're everywhere I go, uh, especially in Corinth, guys. It was a wicked city. If you remember, temple prostitutes were offered to every man that wanted to. And it was, so it was a very, very wicked place. And so people are probably thinking, how are we going to do this? I'm going to have to become a monk. I'm going to go in a monastery. I'm not, I can't be around anybody. So he quickly tells him, look in verse 10, yet not altogether with the fornicators of this world or with the covetous or extortioners or with idolaters, for then must you needs go out of the world. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Get on a rocket and fly out of here and, and inhabit the moon. Who is it, Elon Musk, that wants to start a new colony where? On Mars? Uh, I think it's, I don't know if I got all those details right, but that's about the only way you're going to be able to get away from all the sin that's on this earth. And he says, I'm not talking about that. He says, I'm talking about what happens in the house of God. And what you can handle is what I want you to deal with. So um, verse 11, but now I have written unto you not to keep company if any man that is called a brother, a brother, somebody in the house of God, be a fornicator or covetous or an idolater or a railer or a drunkard or an extortioner with such an one know not to eat pause button look up here you say well i've known some folks that have been a little covetous i've known church members they they want a lot of stuff they're covetous and maybe even some of these other things to a small degree but what paul is talking about here guys are things that have become very apparent it's begun to mushroom inside the church uh you can begin to see that it's happening inside the house of God. And he says, those are the things that I'm telling you not to deal with. You can't be around those kinds of people. Now, listen to me. Please hear this. If I did not teach my daughters that you're not allowed to just go and do anything you want to do in this house, you're not free to just come up with an idea and just take off and do that, swapping bedrooms and doing whatever you like to do, if I did not teach my daughters that those are things you're not allowed to do, then they're going to grow up in life feeling like that whenever I have a whim, whenever I've got an idea, now maybe I'm at work, and I decide I want to change some things around at work, 
when the boss would never have wanted it to be changed like that. They're going to be blinded to some of those things. So my action with my daughters that day, they saw that I was upset about it, and I was ready to do more than just talk. And buddy, in about five minutes, what they had taken them an hour, they had in about five minutes, was running across the room, and they're looking at me, and they're throwing things back in his bedroom, and they learned real quick that you just don't do that unless you check out with dad. Because if you do, it can ruin your life later on when you think you can live your life the way you want to live it. And what Paul is saying here, please get this, when there's somebody in the house of God that is in absolute uh, disobedience, they, they've more than likely been dealt with, talked about their sin, and, and maybe the pastors tried to work with them. I don't know, maybe other church members have tried to deal with them, and they're unrepentant, and they want to continue to live this kind of lifestyle. God says, do not fellowship with that man or woman. Don't go out for coffee with them after church and act like everything's hunky-dory. And again, that's another little phrase. I wonder who in the world made that up. Uh, don't know where it came from. But run around with people and acting like things are just fine with me and you. There's no problem. You can live the way you want to live. And, uh, and I'm perfectly fine with that. When you do that, please listen to me. What you're saying to that person is there's nothing wrong with what you're doing. Uh, number one, you're destroying your own individual life and don't even realize it. Uh, your, your walk with God is nothing like it could be. And your fellowship with the Lord is pretty much cut off. And the kind of fellowship you think you're having is pretty much hypocritical and very shallow. Number two, for you to continue to encourage that kind of a lifestyle by your approval on that person uh, uh, will corrupt the house of God. It will. And listen to me, for you to say that, well, I can hang around with those kind of folks and it will not have an effect on me, you're the one being fooled. I promise you that. You cannot hang out with those kind of people without them wearing off on you. I told my mom and dad and everybody in Ohio, we're Buckeyes. Anybody say amen to that? Amen. That was a good amen. That was the only one. I said, when I go to Texas and I go to Bible college, I'm coming back talking like an Ohioan. I'm not going to talk like a Texan, y'all, yuns. Go, go get a Coke when you're talking about a Dr. Pepper. That's, that's what they say. A Coke is generic for everything down there. And uh, I said, hey, I'm not doing that. And two weeks later, I called my mom and dad. Dad said, Bub, you're talking funny. I said, I am not. Ohio talk, Ohio talk. I am not. These guys are not going to wear off on me. Guys, I want to tell you, I still have people today, 39 years after I've left that state, will still say to me, where are you from? I said, I'm from South Dakota, originally from Ohio, and I got corrupted in Texas. <laughs> you get around those people and listen to that kind of talk, it will wear off on you. Y'all, it just does. You can't help it. You don't even know it. Your talk slows down. And you say funny little inflections in words you would never have said before. And now one-syllable words turn into three-syllable words. And all kinds of things happen to you. And if you think you can hang around people who are walking away from God and think that they will not wear off on you. You're the mistaken one. 
and will be the worse for it. I promise you. I even say that tonight, friend. I say it as a friend. Your walk with God, you'll pay for it dearly. The fellowship with the Lord, you'll have a different language than you used to have. It may not be the Texas draw, but it'll be a different worldly talk. It just will. It gets into your head. Your actions and your fellowship with the Lord will begin to wane. And he says, uh, I, I don't want you hanging around them. I need those folks to be put out of the church if they're unrepentant and they're not willing to be made right with God, then that person needs to be removed from the church. And you pray for them. We want to see them brought back into fellowship with God. Uh, it, it's not like, you know, you want to beat them up all the time or anything like that. The goal of God is always correction. God wants to see them be brought right with him. That's the number one goal is to correct somebody. It's not so that you can look like a meanie church. Why would a church ever do something like that? Well, number one, because God says it. And, and he wants his church to be clean and pure. And he wants the families in the house of God to be pure. And so, verse 13, he says, But them that are without, God judgeth. And God will handle them, guys. But let me talk to you as a church, he says. Therefore, can I just say this? You, I'm not, in, I'm not adding to the Bible, but I'm trying to make it practical. Therefore, you put away from among yourselves that wicked person. Wicked because they won't be made right. They're stubborn. They want it to spread. Or maybe not necessarily want it to spread, but they don't care if it spreads or not. They're happy with their sin. And God will deal with that. God will deal with a church that's not willing to take care of sin inside the house of God. So I want to tell you this. As a pastor, I believe this with all my heart, and I've already said it once tonight, but let me say it again. Most of the time, the reason sin makes its way into the church is because it's been happening already at the house, in your heart, and in your mind. So I preach against sin. I heard somebody say, I don't hear preaching against sin anymore. I, one, one friend of mine said, I, he said, I'd drive a thousand miles to hear a sermon preached against sin somewhere. He said, preachers don't preach about it anymore. And I, I know I don't go running around naming all kinds of sin, but, but I will tell you guys, if you're living in some area of sin in your life, you're ruining your testimony. Your family is worse for it. And when you bring it into the house of God, that becomes the character and the integrity or the lack of it at the house of God. So would you look into your own life tonight? We're going to have prayer here. We're going to take out that prayer sheet. Matter of fact, if you'll pull that out, the prayer sheet we uh, listed here a while ago. And we're going to go to the Lord in prayer. You know my, you know my words. Uh, usually at the end of every Wednesday night message. Please listen. Well, yeah, we're going to pray over the prayer sheet. But my number one concern is, if God spoke to you about an area in your heart, before you go to the prayer sheet, why don't you just lay your life out before the Lord and talk to Him? Now what we like to do is if you want to get together with somebody and pray, feel free to do that. If you want to pray alone, feel free to do that, either at the pew or at the altar. Certainly the altars are open. We'll take the next couple of minutes and we will um, we'll, um, pray over the list and then we'll close out in a verse of song. All right, so let's take the next few minutes and we'll pray. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.